Welcome everybody, Russ McDonough, aka The Nomadic Veteran, and uh, this is episode four of the Vet Files podcast. Um, okay, so if you've got here from watching the YouTube video, I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, hope you got something from it. And obviously, if you did come here from there, you'll know that this week's guest was Martin 50 Cal Stapleton, ex-bootneck, or former bootneck, we're never ex-marines, um, and now a professional MMA fighter and head coach of SBG Rochdale. Uh, what can I say? I, I mega enjoyed chatting to Stapes, not only because, obviously, he's a former bootneck, he does MMA, which oh, I love MMA, um, but it was just great to hear the transition of how you know, because obviously we pride ourselves in the core or any, you know, elite fighting unit in the world on being physically robust, you know, being above average fitness. Um, but I think there's probably still a, a difference between that and being an elite athlete. And and Stakes made that jump from being a raw Marine to an elite athlete who then beats people up or on the odd day gets beaten up. And uh, I just... You know, I just wanted to hear hear what it's like to make that jump. But anyway, I'll let Stapes crack on with telling the story, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. And I'm joined by, for me, a legend. <laughs> I'll let him introduce himself, and then uh, we'll get rolling. So go for it, Stapes. Maybe not quite a legend, but uh, <laughs> thank you for the intro. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Martin Stapleton, known as 50 Cal in mixed martial arts. Um, I was in the Royal Marines for 12 years, uh, left in 2012 to pursue mixed martial arts full time and uh, well here we are, we'll, we'll talk about the rest as we go along I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dive a bit more into it, so um, we'll talk a little bit more about what sort of what sort of kid were you and what, um, what drove you to want to join the Marines, like even go down the path of going into the military, but what specifically was like, oh, I want to, I want to become a Royal Marine. So, what sort of kid was I? I mean, I was the worst example of a kid that I couldn't express. If I do this podcast and anyone at home's kids hear this podcast, do not tell them to be the way I was when I was a kid. Because I'm like, I wasn't interested in school at all. I didn't. Even, I took. I didn't even take a school bag most days. I wouldn't never have. I didn't have a pen for years. I didn't take school books. I didn't have a maths book to go into maths lesson. I just turned up borrow a piece of paper off someone, borrow a pen off someone else, pretend I was doing work, bin it at the end of the lesson, and that was me. I was totally not interested in school. Uh, I mean, I think part of that is because of the way the, the, mm -hmm. the, the system kind of teaches people. I found it quite robotic, you know, um, and I, I don't learn like that, so I was never really interested in school whatsoever. Uh, so, kind of, always knew I wasn't going to do anything that was academic or anything that was a usual nine to five job or not that there's anything wrong with doing that but I just knew it wasn't it wasn't for me uh, and the, the, when I started to find out about the Royal Marines I mean we spoke earlier I was saying about my friend Matt Williams mm -hmm. telling me about what the Royal Marines was and how good they were compared to the army and stuff like that and, uh, I just Fell in love with the Royal Marines straight away, and I, I wanted to be a Royal Marine. You know, the, the Gucci yeah. bitch, or the ML with his green. Yeah. I just wanted to be that. As soon as I, as soon as I saw it, and 
never really look back, mate. You know. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, you know what? It, 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 when you when you go to that careers office and they show you the brochures, you're like, yeah. oh, on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, totally got it. Um, and then you went into training age 17. Yeah, yeah, 17. Tough yeah. as a kid. How yeah. was it? Um, I mean, again, I, I did love every minute of it. When I look <laughs> back on it in hindsight, yeah, yeah. when I'm telling stories about basic training now, hindsight's great. Um, it's definitely the most physically and mentally challenging thing I've ever done. Mm. I mean, when, when you compare what you do in basic training to, and you do things later on in life that, that might on paper be harder or look mm-hmm. harder or whatever, I mean, it's the fact that when you go into basic training, you've never done anything before like yeah. that, have you? And then the foundation you're building, basic training, all the mental skills and, mm-hmm. and, and um, the robustness, the mental and physical robustness you build up in basic training kind of makes everything else a little bit easier than yeah. you do. And that's the point of it, I suppose. So that's why I'd say it was the... The, the most difficult thing I've ever done physically in mentally because Do you do you think sixteen and seventeen year olds are too young to join the call? Well, I, I don't wanna be and I never like to talk in absolutes, so I'd never like to say yes or no. I, I kind of felt lucky because I, I felt I was seventeen, I was kind of borderline age. I felt at the start of basic training I was like an endless chicken and I had a clue what I was doing. By the end I thought I kind of found my feet. In general, though, I would advise people to go in a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I'd say, get you, get them teen years, you know, the yeah, 18, yeah. 19, 20, 21, get them years out of the way first, have some fun, make all that mistakes, get a little bit of life experience, and then if you were to join the Marines at, say, 21, 22, I think that's when you'd really get the most out of it, mm-hmm. you know, because you can travel the world, see the world, you're not, you've got your feet underneath you. 18 years old sometimes when, you, when you're in the military, it's a man's military, isn't it? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're 17 or you're 35, you've still got to chuck that backpack on, mm-hmm. you've still got to be expected to do the same things everyone else does at the same level, the same standard. And I think sometimes 17, 18, it can take the fun out of it a little bit. If you're still growing as well, physically. You're still growing up, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's an hard job, isn't it? You know, you're in the field freezing your tits off. Yeah. It's a hard job, but I think I just think a little bit older is a little bit better. So you went part through training, I got through as I think for everyone scraped, probably a bit like scraped yeah, my yeah. way through, fell through the net, there was a big <laughs> hole in the net, just got through that net. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you were obviously suddenly a, a full on boot neck. And yeah. where did you go from training? Back to the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. So basic training, you climb that ladder, you're at the top, you pass out King's basic squad. training. Yeah. King Squad and you join 4-2 Commando and boom, you're the new guy, you know what I mean? So I went to 4-2 Commando straight from basic training, joined M Company. Uh, and I'll probably say this about everything we talk about, <laughs> but I feel mega, mega lucky. Because when I joined M Company, there were just so many good blokes in M Company that, good blokes like the corporals and sergeants that I could look up to and think, fucking hell, I want to be like yeah. him one day. But also the lads that were in M Company at the time, just... The young Marines who've been in two or three years, to me at that time, mm-hmm. they were like fucking war veterans or something. Yeah, Because you know yeah. I mean? they were telling me all the stories about they've been to Sierra Leone, they've been here, they've been there, and I'm like, whoa. You know, obviously now when you look back at it, I can see that they're just young Marines. And, yeah. You know, but at the time, I, I felt really lucky to be in amongst them sort of people. And, um, and I really enjoyed that company. I was at 4-2 for like, about four years or something. So wow. I got a couple of Norway trips there, a couple of US trips there, Northern Ireland trip, Iraq trip with them. 
Iraq being 03, all three Taliban. The invasion slash yeah. liberation, as, as, yeah, oh, whatever you want to call it. Whatever they want to call it, I don't know what the fuck it was, if I'm honest, still yeah. gone, but I was there. And, and, and how was that your first kind of taste of... Uh, exciting. Real options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievably exciting. Like, again, I was only 19 by that point, so... At nine, I mean, when... Uh, this is the thing, and when we spoke before, I don't really go into politics or anything, mm-hmm. and I, I never do it with anybody, I never talk politics about war and stuff, because it, it, it's irrelevant. It's not it? about that for us. Yeah, it's not about yeah, that for yeah. us, and that's the point. At, at the point, I was a 19-year-old kid who'd joined the Royal Marines, because I've seen all these Gucci pictures of yeah. soldiers at war, and I wanted to be one of them, and all of a sudden, I, I, I think the thing is, when you join up, you, never, you don't think that's ever going to happen, do you? Can't, like... There hadn't been a real war, a sustained war since yeah, the Falklands, yeah. really. You know, they've been Northern <coughs> Ireland tours and stuff, and they've been peacekeeping on mm-hmm. there. But they've never been a long, sustained war since the Falklands were yeah. in real serious combat. I mean, there was the 1991 Gulf War, obviously, but the Romanies weren't massively involved in that. And even so, I think it was only about four or five weeks of conflict. Still so, a little something, something, yeah. The whole military, in my opinion, was really inexperienced in combat when we joined up. So I don't think we ever thought that it was really going to happen like that. And then all of a sudden, 19 years old, you've been in like 18 months and they're like, yeah, you, you go and invade in another country, by the way, at mm-hmm. night in helicopters. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it was exciting. It was really, it was, it's what I wanted to do. It was exciting. And uh, honestly, I loved every minute of it again. And some people, when, when they hear you say that, they kind of like pull the first because they're like, how could you love war? It's... To, but as a young, from the perspective I look at it now, obviously mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to go to war. Mm-hmm. Obviously we all want a peaceful world. Mm-hmm. What you want and what you get are two different yeah. things. I don't think we're, ever, we're never going to live in that harmonic society where the whole world gets on. It'd be great if we did. Reality but says that we won't. And I got to experience a little piece of that and, I'm, and, I, and I feel lucky for that. You know, and I enjoyed it at the time. Uh, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, I think people find out a lot about themselves, and I think like one thing I remember going into um, like orders, and orders would take how long? And then actually, when you're in that environment, it's like QBOs, yes. quick battle orders. Yeah. We haven't got time yeah. Yeah. to do this fifty minutes or like presentation. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, I, I completely get what you're saying, that dude. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you uh, you finished Iraq. You've done Afghan as well. Mm. Well, I, I finished, I did the, the first tour of Iraq with um, 4-2 Commando, mm-hmm. Talib 1 Operation Talib 1, which was the, the invasion, for those that don't know, the invasion of Iraq. Then when we came back, I think we did a Norway trip just after that. And then as soon as we got back from there, they, they needed volunteers to go and join 40 Commando to go back to Iraq wow. from Talib 4. Yeah, yeah. So obviously a young lad, Keen I was like, not just stick my name down. Uh, went home and said to my missus, oh, they've said I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out of it, I've got to go. I know I've only been home a week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went to Bravo Company then, 40 Commando, and yeah, we, we got ready, pre-deployment training, and straight back out to Iraq uh, for another tour. And again, I was I was really lucky Bravo Company, because it was, again, it was full of hoofing blokes, mm-hmm. real good corporals, real good sergeants, uh, real good Marines around me. Um, and yeah, 40 Commando, again we did we did Talik, we did a, a few other trips, we did another Norway, we did, I think we went to Africa for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember, the 40 Commando was like, so I was at 4-2 for four, four and a half years mm-hmm. and I was at 40 for about the same amount of time. 
well, it just felt like 40 commando went like that because mm-hmm. it was like we were just always always doing going something. away and and I was I'd, uh, I put my chit in for my PTI's course so I was like training towards yeah. that while going away and it's yeah uh, again I, it was, I was lucky to be there yeah. awesome dude and then after that where did your career take it? so I went on my PTI's course then after 40 commando I went to CTC did the, the, uh, did the PTI's course um, which again it wasn't as hard as basic training because uh, you've you've already got that yeah. foundation to move forward. Physically, physically, it is. I can't imagine anything that's ever going to top it physically. Like I've, I've had thirty odd professional training camps for professional mixed martial arts yeah. fights, and they don't come anywhere near it. This is, and I'll divert a minute. Yeah. It's like when you hear people talk about overtraining and stuff. And I understand that as a professional athlete, that there is, there is like things you need to monitor with training, as in mm-hmm. like your rest, your recovering, and how much intensity and stuff you do. Personally, I think it's pretty hard to overtrain. I think it's much more likely that you're not resting enough, you're not eating enough, your mind's not in the right mm-hmm. place, you're not doing the proper recovery protocols. Because on that 24 weeks PTI course. The, again, there's nothing that I've ever seen on the planet that comes anywhere close to the amount of physical training you do on that. But you still get up the next day and you do it again, and you do it again, and you still got to pass tests that get gradually harder every mm-hmm. week as you go along, so you can see that you're getting fitter. Um, and you're learning as well. You've got to study yeah. to do as well. Yeah. So you know, when, when people come to say, "Oh, you know, I'm overtrained," I'm usually thinking, <laughs> "No, you're probably underrested. You're probably undernourished. You're probably underslept. You're yeah. probably not thinking right. You probably, you know, you've read too much in magazines and yeah, it all comes into it. But overtraining, go and watch someone do that PTI course. Come yeah. back to do your overtraining story. I bet, man. I bet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, you passed it, obviously. Just about. Just about. Just about. No one yeah. through the net. I think I scraped that one. No, that was a beast. And I think I actually came bottom of the course on my PTI's course. But there was only three of us on the course. You know. Was there? Yeah, there's usually like 12 blokes. Yeah. Or 15 sometimes. There was only three. Well, this team started with five. Um, and two of the lads got injured. So, so obviously they had to leave the course. One of them came back on the next course, Whiskey Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he's one of my best mates as well from the course hoofing blow he came straight back on the next course smashed it but it ended up just three of us on the course and I was with one of the lads uh, I won't mention his name because he's doing another job now mm-hmm. it's pretty cool uh, one of the lads was like the ultimate athlete of 40 commando he's right. like the fittest bloke in 40 commando and it's like yeah he's on the course we're like ah oh, fuck's sake yeah. you know what I mean just up and down ropes like that and then the other guy was uh, like called Greg Andrews, don't know if you know Greg, South mm-hmm. African guy, real tall, lean guy, nicest bloke you'll ever meet, helped me enormously through the course, but again, just a super athlete, yeah. he's like six foot four, he could just run like elegantly, <laughs> and I'm like five foot eight, like. <laughs> um, so yeah, I came bottom of that course. Um, a pass is a pass. A pass is a pass, mate, yeah. a pass is a pass. Uh, yeah, and then I joined the PT staff, um, took a recruit troop through training, took another one halfway, and then I went and did my RIs course. The, uh, oh, awesome. The remedial instructors course, which is, uh, as you all know, but for, for anyone that doesn't know, it's like 
kind of exercise rehabilitation. If anyone's got an injury, we use exercise for rehab. It's not like a physio where you do hands-on rehab, it's exercise rehabilitation. Yeah, did that course um, and then went to SMSG for the last three years, um, which was, again, phenomenal. Another unit where I just fell on my feet. Ended up. I ended up at SMSG mm-hmm. with the same bloke. When, when I basically passed out of basic training, joined 4-2 command mm-hmm. up, the first room I moved into, I was met by a bloke. Again, I won't use this fella's name because he's, uh, yeah. he's still doing some pretty cheeky stuff. <laughs> I'm going to call him Grandad. <laughs> Even though I walked into this room, 17-year-old just passed out of basic training, I walk in there, there's this guy dressed like a boot, he's the, he's the ultimate marine, I'm looking at him like, oh, he's like, oh, fella, what fucking arm wrestle? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, get on the floor, let's have an arm wrestle. I mean, I'm just got the kit on, I think I'm moving in here, he's like, let's have an arm wrestle, and an arm wrestle, and he smashed me, he's like, anyway, told me his name, and I was like, I think I'm living in that room there, and he's like, yeah, no worries. Awesome. But then when I went to SFSG, yeah. he ended up being my troop striker. I have a troop sergeant, so uh, real close friend of mine again. So again, I landed on my feet there. Uh, at SFSG, got, uh, man, the, the stuff you get to do at SFSG is everything you ever wanted to do in, in, the, in mm-hmm. the military. You know, you do a lot of Gucci stuff. Uh, we went to, got the old man trip out of it, um, and, and ultimately went to Afghanistan with SFSG as well, which was a, a very good trip. Um, after that, I came back to the Corps whilst I was leaving for six months, went on the PT staff for another six months whilst I was getting ready to leave. And Obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about your MMA career. Mm. If it if you didn't have MMA in your life then, do you think you would have still, you would have stayed in the Corps? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I say that. It's a playoff. Um, I kept, I've got two kids, you know, so mm-hmm. by, by the time I was leaving the Corps, Olivia, my daughter, she was like four, maybe five. Jensen was born whilst I was in Afghanistan. Oh, so yeah. we, I, got, I actually got home because he was born on my hour and a half. So uh, for those who don't know, while, whilst you're in Afghanistan, you get two weeks leave during the tour. They, we come home and you know see your family and stuff. And Jensen was actually born during that time, it's so I was dead yeah. lucky. But then I went back and we had like seven or eight weeks left. and. Uh, it was a rough seven or eight weeks, rough seven mm-hmm. or eight weeks, you know, it was um, pretty hectic. So I was already kind of thinking at that point, I was like, I've done quite a bit of this now and mm-hmm. you're only lucky so many times. Yeah, 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 keep rolling that dice. Yeah, so I mean, from a personal point of view, I, I would if it weren't for mixed martial arts, from a personal point of view, I'd love to stay in the core forever because I'd go back tomorrow and I'd yeah. love it. I love it, I just loved it. I love the blokes, I love the job, everything about it. From a, a family point of view, I would have probably left because I wanted to spend more time with my wife. No, I said no, I guess not. Yeah. Bit of, a, bit of a hard question to answer, really. You know, it's the hard it's pulls you one way, the head yeah, pulls you another. You try and do what's right yeah. to, to please everyone and you, yeah. you know, for yourself and, and also for the other people. So we'll, we'll, we'll go back a little bit. Mixed martial arts. Mm. How, how did it come about? Um, so I mean I've always I trained a bit of boxing as a kid a bit of Muay Thai as a kid never anything decent never anything mm-hmm. to, nothing to write home about but I've trained and I love training uh, and I've always physic- like just training doing phase any, any kind of physical training has always been my thing you know it's, it's always been my like escape from the planet mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then on, on the way back from Senegal or Norway, it was one of the, I, I've told, I, I've said about this story so many times, I, I can't actually remember where we were going back from, but we were on a ship, we were on HMS Gallard, and me and Stroudy, we just we started watching the UFC DVDs and practicing on uh, each other doing arm bars and chokes and stuff like that. And, we ended up spending that much time on the lower deck of Galar. I think people were thinking, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Quite close. We're so cuddled down yeah. on the lower deck, are you? <laughs> yes. Then uh, I got back from there, and as soon as we got back, I looked for an MMA gym in Taunton, and I was dead lucky. There was a guy called Gary Davis who ran like a jiu jitsu gym down there, and it was just at the time when Brazilian jiu jitsu was kind of yeah. breaking it. And he, he came from a traditional jiu jitsu background, but he he got his blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. and he started to transition his club yeah. towards that. So I started training with them and then I've come home on leave and uh, so I thought, oh, I'll Google, see what there is in Rochdale. And I'm thinking, there's not going to be any MMA in Rochdale, yeah. there's going to be nothing like this. Googled it. To my total amazement, there was a gym about five miles away called Team Quanon. Mm. It was just over the hills in Diggle um, and it run by three brothers, the Butlin brothers, Ian Butlin, Dave Butlin and Andy Butlin. I've never heard of these guys before I went on Google and these guys are like the fucking groundbreakers of mixed martial arts in the north of England. Yeah. They had a gym back in the day. So this is when we're talking, two thousand five maybe. I was gonna ask you how old yeah. were you when you first started? Well I think this must have been two thousand and five. It must have been, yeah. And uh, they they already had a gym with a cage and a boxing ring and everything in and they were already running program of MMA training, jiu-jitsu yeah. training and stuff. And I, and I googled and found them and I was like, I've never heard of that one, yeah. it's five miles away from me. Drove over there and again, that, that was it. Like my first training session there, I think they, like, they got on the fact that I was a Marine and I yeah. could do a bit and I was fit and obviously I was a bit bulky, a bit cocky and everything. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll have a spar. And then Ian just chucked me out about 40 times with no effort <laughs> yes. whatsoever. He's like a little bit smaller because I was, in the Marines, I was lifting loads of yeah, weight, so yeah. I was a bit like this. And I got on the mat with Ian, and he was probably a stone lighter than me, and he just strangled me without even trying. I was like, yeah, I need to do this. Mm. I need to do this. Especially as a Marine, because we're, we're out on operations. I'm thinking, there's guys like him walking around, I don't even know who they are, and they can literally play with me like a... You don't, right, don't, you? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know, do you? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't understand how easy it would be for someone with a bit of technique and a bit of aggression behind you know how easy it would be for him to just make me look like a, a little baby yeah um, and I learned that on that first night and I was like that's never going to happen to me ever again so I need to learn this you know it, it, it's quite it's quite intimidating as well because like obviously I've not rolled as much as you and, and, and know as much as you about it but when I've rolled with guys who are experienced mm. and you're proper Trying, trying, yeah. and putting, you're trying to muscle your way out. Yeah. And these guys are just kind of like they're breathing normally, and they're just like they're like, oh, he's doing this now, is he? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, and, it, and it's quite intimidating, and it, it can be quite like a. I think you can take it one or two ways. You can either be like, I'm never going back again because you made me feel. Yeah. I don't know what the word is. Inferior. Yeah. Or you can be like, teach me. Well, our head coach of the SBG Worldwide Community, Matt Thorne, and he said something to me on, on one of the coaching courses I did with him and I've, this has stuck in my mind almost every day since. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, when you're coaching your classes and whatever, your students finish the class 
at that point they're either one step closer to being a black belt or they're one step closer to quitting. There's no there's no status quo. They're either gonna get a little bit better or they're gonna get a little bit closer to giving up. And I think that comes down to like you're saying there is as a coach or as not even as a coach, just as someone introducing someone to, mm-hmm. to mixed martial arts, to jiu-jitsu, to grappling or whatever, is I never want someone to go away thinking like, yeah. oh my God, he just beat the shit, what's the point, I'll never make it. If someone comes to train with me and they've never trained before, I want them to experience it a little bit, mm-hmm. so they get a little bit of the experience and see like, wow. Jesus, there's yeah. people out there that, that, that know this and that, you know. I want them to leave understanding that, that, that there's a lot for them to learn, mm-hmm. but I also want them to leave having learned a little bit as well, mm-hmm. so that they, they can you know, be proud of what they've learned on that day, mm-hmm. maybe apply it, if, you know, if they get a chance to, but also so that they want to learn more, they want to come back, do you get what I mean? Yeah, because if, if, they, if they quit, then you failed as a coach. Absolutely. Then if they come back, absolutely. Yeah, job done. Yeah. Let's do it, let's repeat. That's it, yeah. yeah and I, I, I kind of think of that, um, so thanks for that one, Matt. <laughs> but no, I do kind of think of that almost every day, so when, like, when I run a session, I, I'll be very critical of myself how I've mm-hmm. took that session, I'll always like, think about it in the evening or at night, and I'll make notes and stuff. I don't make notes on every single session, yeah. but I will generally, a couple of times a week, make notes on things that could have gone better or things that did go well. And I'll always have that question in the back of my mind. Awesome. Would the majority of them people that were on that class, were they one step closer to black belt now, or are they one step closer to quitting? You know? That's a good approach to have. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Simple as well. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, you know. yeah. um, so you managed to get a few fights while you were in the court. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. they went pretty well for yeah, some went well, some yeah. on other occasions I got choked unconscious live on TV. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes both ways. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 my first couple of fights I didn't bother going down the amateur route because back in them days, I can't even explain to you what amateur was. I, I can imagine actually. It insults my brain cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nowadays the amateur scene is Red hot. Yeah. Nowadays, the amateurs, the difference is they fight three three minute rounds instead of three five minute rounds uh, okay. or five minute uh, five fives even. You take elbows are taken out of there, knees to the head are taken out of there. You can't do twisted leg locks because of like the damage mm-hmm. it can do to knees and hips. You can't do twisted spine locks. My dog. <laughs> that's one of my many dogs. Um, but back in them days. Amateur, there was no headshots whatsoever. So even standing up, you weren't allowed to throw punches or kicks right. in the face. There was no striking whatsoever on the ground. So an amateur fight back in them days was literally a grappling match with leg kicks. Yeah. And it was crap. It was it was terrible to watch. It was worse to do. So I wasn't interested in doing that. So I went straight to what was then called semi-pro, mm-hmm. uh, which was... Very similar to pro, same like five minute rounds, but there was no elbows, again no knees to the head, and I think still no spinning, no twisting leg locks and stuff. But it was a little bit more closer to what pro was. So I had about five or six of them fights, and then then I turned pro again. I think when I left the core, I think I had about nine, eight or nine pro fights by that time. And you and you felt you were like oh, I can make a career out of this. That was that was the overriding fact. I was like, I'm going to leave the core, even though I love it. I know you're yeah. like your family, family stuff, but you were like, you were confident, like I can do this. Yeah. Well, so I I had a few pro fights before I left the core, obviously, 
and I've had a couple of smaller level or lower level like national titles where you're fighting for a British title or whatever. Mm-hmm. You call them British titles back in them days. I don't know if I. So I've got officially I've got four British titles, but mm-hmm. when people ask me, I normally say two because there's only two of them that I really class that were at British title level. The others were like. It still happens now. People find a local show when they get a belt thrown over when they call themselves a British title. Really, the, the, it's not a British title. Mm-hmm. It's the champion of that event. Ultimate Fire Heist. Yeah, so when I got there and we actually started training, I felt like I was holding my own with them all really well. So it kind of flipped around then because I went from one minute doubting myself yeah. that I won my, my first fight in the Ultimate Fighter to, to get in there and that. And we started, we had got out to Vegas and we started training. And uh, I went from being doubting myself to being massively overconfident, thinking, oh, really? Yeah, because that was my first experience with people at that level. And all of a sudden I was like, they're not all that, they're not what they made up to me. And then I lost my next fight. Yeah. And uh, what a fucking great lesson that was for me. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad it went that way, you know, because I, I, I wouldn't be where I am now mm-hmm. if it wouldn't have gone that way. But somewhere different, I and mean, who knows where that would be. But um, it you know it taught me a lot of lessons that I can take forward with my, with my students. Like the doubting yourself thing, because you come from a small town or a small gym, mm-hmm. you don't have to come from a big city, and you don't have to come from a big gym to be the best fighter in the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then on the flip side of that is that once you do start climbing that ladder, don't believe your own shit, because that's what I did. Yeah. I went from I went from doubting myself to believing my own shit within weeks, and I paid the price for both. Um, and again, like I said, I'm glad I did because it means I can steer my guys that I coach in that direction. That's that's money in the bag for me. That's you know that's stuff I can now coach people through. So, and you, you stayed in the house for this full six weeks, even after you lost the lost the fight because it was yeah yeah it was, yeah it was the UK versus America, wasn't it? Bisman versus Hendo. I think it was about eight or nine weeks in total. Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> We're we'll built to pieces together. Yeah, sorry. No, dude, fuck it, it's gonna be like it's great stuff what you're saying. Uh, so that's a long time in the house. Yeah, so about about I think it's about nine weeks in total, because mm-hmm. believe it or not, before you even get to go in the house, you have to go out to Las Vegas for a week and you stay in Palace Station Casino for a week and you're not allowed to leave your room. Really? Yeah, Jen. They make you go there and, and you stay, I don't know if they still do it, but back then they did because everything's like, everything's got to be top secret. Yeah, yeah. No one could know your name or that you're in the Ultimate Fighter. And you're like, mate, everyone knows I'm here at home. I've yeah. everyone. <laughs> it can't get on the internet. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they make you stay in this Palace Station Casino in a room on your own. You're allowed to leave your room once a day. You have to put a time in and they take you, they meet you at your room, they take you to the gym, make sure no one else is in the gym, and they bring you back to your room, and that's it. If you want food, you have to slide a card under the door. What? Yeah, yeah, and you have to slide a card under the door for what food you want. You write your order, and they will get you anything you want. The runners there are like, as you would imagine, they you slide a card on the door, under the door, by the time your hand's back, your meal's pressed up. (laughs) So you can ask for anything you want, and they're good like that. But you're stuck in a room for a week, you go stir crazy, man. The amount, I can't. If I was to write down how many burpees I did in yeah, that yeah. room, ridiculous <laughs> numbers, man. But yeah, and then from there, you're obviously you're on the TV show, you're staying in the house for eight or nine weeks. Um, 
some experience that one. Some experience, yeah. I'd love to be able to go back and do it again now, as in at my age now, mm. and with the level of maturity I've got now and experience I've got now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be a total different experience. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad I did it then as well. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to go back now and, and do it. I think it'd be such a different experience now. Because as, as a young lad, you, you kind of. So when you're on the ultimate fighter, it's like it's two different shows. When you're at the gym, mm-hmm. everything's about MMA, about the UFC, getting mm-hmm. the UFC, getting the big contract, winning the fights, professional training. When you get back to the house, it's the TV company. It's not about the UFC yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's about, let's make a good TV show out of this. So you'll go to the fridge and you've ordered X amount of food. You come back from training and that food isn't there, but there's shit on the Budweiser's there. And there's oh. TV guys going, guys, some beers in the fridge. If you fancy having a barbecue outside. And you're yeah. like, I'll be training in four hours. But they, the TV company want that drama. They want all that so. You're torn in two directions, and uh, I think because I was so young and inexperienced at the time, I let myself get caught up in it a little bit. You know, I was like, ah. well, it's easy to do that. They even drag you in, and they even have chats to you saying, like, you need to let your personality go on the TV, you need us to see more of your personality, and stuff like that. And you come out of that and you're thinking, yeah, go on, I'll, I'll have a few drinks tonight. Then. Yeah. And really, if I went back there now, I'd be like, screw your personality stuff, mate, I'm here to fight. I'm here to win. You know, yeah. but uh, back, back then, I didn't, I didn't know, nobody knew. It, well, I mean, man, it was just starting, wasn't it? Nobody, yeah, yeah, it was, man. It was, you know, re- really, it was just kicking in then. Nobody really knew how to act. Especially in the UK. Yeah. That's why they did it, the UK versus exactly, America. Yeah. So, uh, no, totally. So you, you, you came out of the, on the firehouse. Mm-hmm. What, where did you, which direction did you go then? Well, obviously I had to go back to the corner because uh, I've pretty much done a runner. <laughs> no, I've not done a runner, but uh, the powers that be... They weren't keen on you going. No, they didn't want me to go up first. Um, so it took a lot of kicking off by like Pete Jordan, Dixie Dean, these were like... Yeah, do you know Dixie? Yeah. yeah he's, Dixie's been like a mentor for me, like my whole career. Uh, yeah. So Pete and Dixie like kicked off a lot for me and then the... The PTNS, PT and SO at the time, which is the, the physical training and sports officer, was a guy called Sean Lowell. Um, he's got a real good Instagram. Sean Lowell on the air, yeah, he's got on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, he's a brilliant yeah. guy. And so he was our like officer top cover, if you if you like. Mm-hmm. And he did a bit of that as well, went like, kicking off for me. And uh, awesome. eventually, it was like him and Pete came to me, and they were like, "We're not quite sure if you're allowed to go yet or not, but just go, and we'll take the flag." Oh mate. So I was like, Jen, and they were like, yeah, just go. So I just went. And so when I set off, I, I still wasn't sure if I was a fully allowed to go or not. It then, but them two were like, what are they going to say? What do you in Vegas? They're not going to get you back, are they? And you would regret not taking that chance. Oh, if, it's, if it's sent on the trail, you've got to go for it. You've got to go for it, mate. But it, for me, it was them two taking the chance more than anything. Because yeah. Big Jordan was the sergeant manager, and Sean Lerwell was like the officer in charge. So I would have probably got a bollock in. Them two might have lost the rank for it. Yeah. So they took a lot more of a risk than me. Uh, but yeah, so I went there. Obviously, when I came back, I didn't know what I was going back to. I'm thinking, am I coming back to my bollock in here or am I going to get a pat on the back for doing well? Yeah. You know, any bit of both, really. I mean, was I, it? I got back, I didn't get any bollockings off some. But you know what the call was like, lads are like, did you win? No, I won. What do you mean you didn't win? What's the for? You know what I mean? Oh, gosh. And then other lads were like, Oh, I was in there. Mm-hmm. But it's the core, isn't it? And everyone's 
ultimately, everyone's supportive of you, I think, in the mm, They are. People will give you shit. That's what we're there for. Keeps you grounded as well, Keeps though. Keeps you grounded, mate. Uh, yeah, and I, I got back from there, and I think... In fact, yeah, it was. So I, I got back from there, and they put me back on the PT staff for a little while to see what they were going to draft me yeah. or what I was going to do next. And I actually got a real big offer from um, a sponsor. So again, Dixie Dean put me in touch with these guys in London and they took me down for a couple of meetings and stuff and they wanted to sponsor me something stupid like a hundred grand a year for three years wow. to train and fight full time. Uh, and at the time I'm like, wow, gee, I don't want to do this. But then the SFSG thing came up and I got offered like, do you want to go to SFSG, blah, 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 blah. And I rang Dixie straight away and I was like, Dixie, uh, all this stuff you've done for me, and I've, oh. this opportunity is on thing. Yeah. I was like, I can't say no to this opportunity to go SFSG. Because if I say no to this now, it might never come up again. And if I leave the call, I, that unit is everything I joined up mm-hmm. to do. Door kicking, you know, mm-hmm. parachute, all the Gucci stuff. And I was like, if I don't do it, I won't be being true to myself. I'll just be looking for the money, uh, the sponsorship. So I, I actually turned down that sponsorship to go to SFSG. These guys were like, get your notice in, leave the Marines there, we'll pay you 100 grand a year for a couple of years and we'll see where it goes from there. Wow. Sign a contract. But like I say, man, mate, it's your head and your heart, innit? But my heart was telling me that I had to go to SFSG and do the Afghanistan tour with them guys and that, because I knew they had mm-hmm. that coming up. Um, and that's where my heart was pulling me, so I had to. Um, I, I took the MMA gloves off for a couple wow, of years. Wow, back to that, yeah. But I'm glad I did, mate. I'm glad I did because everything that you do in life, every little corner you take or whatever, leads you to where you are today. I'm really happy with where I am today. You know, you, you, me, me and you have had a good day today. We've had a bit of nerf awesome war. Awesome yeah. I played some nerf war earlier with my son. And I, I won't tell you who won that. Yeah, I'm not saying that I lost three <laughs> games in a row, but I lost three nerf wars in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really happy with where my life's at now. And if I would have chose a different direction at any given moment, maybe I wouldn't have ended up where I am. Um, and that comes back to even like what I was saying earlier about the Ultimate Fighter thing. I'm mm-hmm. happy with the way that went. I'm, you know, I'm happy with the way everything's gone in my life. So, you know, I've lost some things, I've won some things, I've got some things I'd love to have done differently, but I didn't. So rather than looking at them as negatives, I just look at them as lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where that one went, you know. Everyone thought it was crazy. Everyone was, I you can do, see why they would. Yeah, you're going to Afghan, you might die, and these guys. But that's what my heart wanted to do. That's what I wanted to, and I, and I knew I'd always look back on it with regret if I didn't. So that is a hundred percent staying true to yourself. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. When you could have been blinded by the money and went, I'll yeah, take it. yeah, yeah. Wow, mate, that's that's. that's I'm so glad I did make that decision at the time because. It, it, was, it would have been easy for me not to make that decision because everyone was saying to me, Yeah, 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 it was It was a lot easier to say, Nah, I'll, I'll do this, but no, I made the decision to. I joined the call to do that shit, mm-hmm. and here's the opportunity you can come and do this shit. It's going to be a lot of hard work, and it's going to be a lot very risky, but now you get to work with the type of people you want to work yeah. with, do the kind of things you want to do, be part of. That, that kind it's of elite, bigger than real yourself. unit, yeah. you know, and, and that's what I wanted. Um, so yeah, I did that. Awesome, <laughs> dude. Mate, that is outrageous. Yeah. And then you finished SFSG, mm. left the core. Yeah. And then what? Uh, well, I mean, I, 
again, I, I didn't actually want to. This is something I've not really told much, but I didn't actually want to leave the court at the time when I did. I, at the time when I was leaving, I felt I'd done everything I ever joined up to do. Mm-hmm. I, but I wasn't dead set on leaving right then, at that moment in time. Um, and I put my chin in to do selection. Um, but when I went for my hearing test, my hearing test had gone from like perfect hearing to almost non-existent during the course of Afghanistan. Um, and you know all the shit that goes on the yeah, brains going yeah. off next to your head and the 50 cal going off and all that and, and there was one particular incident where an RPG hit a wall that I was on and luckily the RPG didn't go off it so it fired and when it hit the wall the actual grenade aspect of it hasn't gone off for whatever reason but it's still like the, the wall has been knocked to pieces I've been knocked off yeah. and I think they kind of put it I don't like they isolated it to that one incident well that's what they put it down to anyway you, your hearing's gone and they said like you can't you'll take another two years before you can think and I was like nah do you know what then I'll go yeah. I'd, done, I'd done everything I wanted to do and family at home that I wanted to go spend more time with and it's like a, it's like a weighing scale isn't it yeah mm-hmm. I wanted to go selection but then no, I've got my family at home and I've got MMA mm-hmm. that I really want to do so I was I had to either choose one or the other then as well so I couldn't stay in the Marines and keep fighting MMA at the level I was at because I've been on the ultimate fighter now yeah, and I've won yeah. some national titles and that. So people were expecting big things, or not big things, but I had to take big fights. I couldn't take easy or drop back down to the regional circuit. That would be just like a, a, a good step. It'd be a pussy move as well. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be, it? So I was like, if I'm going to carry on at MMA, I have to do it full time now. Or if I'm going to carry on in the Marines, I have to give yeah. MMA up and just do this full time. Uh, like I said, I felt like I'd done everything I wanted to do in the Marines and more, uh, and it was the right time for me. So yeah, that again, I had to follow. Yeah, yeah. myself at that point. Yeah. And then where did you where did you go from there? You left the call. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I left the call, we started opening the gym. Um, the gym, which we've yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as we as soon as I left the call, we started. You know, we were working on that. And I left the call, and ever since I've been training at the gym working at the gym, running the gym, coaching and training myself and living the dream. And then, yeah, man, like, you know what? I'm having no flaws with gents. Yeah, I, I think you are. I, I, yeah, I, I think That's my, right, that's, you know, actually, earlier on when you said to me, I've got a strap line, that kind of, I, I say it, living the dream 50 times a day, but everyone I meet, everyone probably living the dream. I always say it, mm-hmm. always say it. And, uh, it's a core thing as well, and it lads in the core. Oh, like, How are you living the dream? But I've always tried to keep it since I left the core because I felt like when I was in the core, I was living the dream. Yeah. And ever since I've left the core, I've always tried to keep that mentality of living the dream. Mate. A lot of lads use that living the dream though in like a negative way, like, yeah, like oh, a yeah, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, you know, it's a good, it's a good strap line. So, what's throughout your career then? What's 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 the greatest hits? What's which what career? You, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you ever made career? What what stands out as like you know what? No. I mean, for my fight career. Mm-hmm. So in MMA, I've, again, I've got kind of got a couple of careers in it. I've got me fight career of me fighting. Mm-hmm. I've got a coaching career, coaching in MMA, and. Uh, so as, as a fighter, the, the two biggest things that always stand out to me are the, is like the tournament that I won. I won the, like this international tournament where it was eight blokes and three fights on one night, night and all yeah. that. I won that a few years back and then a couple of years later I won the, the Bama world title as well. 
So like for me, achievement-wise, as a, as an athlete, those are the two things that always stand out for me as, a, as achievements. But they don't come. At, you know, if I'm honest, it's hard to say this sometimes because people can't understand it, and it's hard for me to say and, and still be a competitive athlete. But if I'm honest, my athletic achievements don't come anywhere near close to my coaching achievement. Like when one of my fighters wins a British title, yeah. it means million times more to me than when I won my British titles. Do you understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I do. It's absolutely. not even close. And like, I've got a handful of fighters now that have come through them ranks and they're, they're turning pro and I've no doubt that they're going to be world champions. And when they win their world titles, it will dwarf mine. Do you know what I mean? I won't give a shit about mine. Like it's, and it's weird to say it because some people think, well, but you're, a, but you're still fighting and you're still fighting and how can you feel like that? And, I just do, it's just the way I am, and I don't, I'm not asking for anyone to understand it either. But my, for me in martial arts and mixed martial arts, it's more about giving back than getting. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad gift acceptor, I anyway, I'm terrible at accepting gifts, but, and I don't, I don't particularly like that achievements or accolades of people coming saying to me, well done, or you've done this or that, when it's about me. If it, someone says to me, well done on, Antonio yeah. winning his title I'll take that over I'll be like yeah thanks man he did well didn't he because it's like, like a gushing parent like yeah yeah it's hard for me to to explain but I, I, I'm miles 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 more proud of what I've done or what what my, my the guys who I coach have done than I have of what I've done if, if that makes sense no you know I, I, yeah. I, I get it I, yeah. I do get it I also obviously I don't get it yeah, but I get it at the same time I don't even know how to explain it sometimes, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to explain, but uh, because as well, it, and I spoke about this recently on a, a podcast I did, uh, the Gentleman Badass podcast it's called, <laughs> what a cool name, yeah. but um, it's, again, it's not all what is about fighters winning achievements, like winning belts or stuff either, like I've got, I've got, so we, we've run a programme called Women to Warrior, mm-hmm. and we've had a woman who's, I believe she's even 53 or 54, who's done a six-month training programme, training five days a week mm-hmm. in MMA, jiu-jitsu, boxing, Thai boxing, strength and conditioning, and I've got a bloke who's either 53 or 54 who's had heart surgery, back surgery, knee surgery, shoulder surgery. Both of them people did a six-month training programme with all that involved and got to the end of it and competed in a mixed martial arts fight in front of about 1,500 people. Wow. Now for me, that is yeah, next true. level achievement. Mm. For them to in the mid 50s to, to achieve that is easily equivalent to a, a you know, 21 year yeah. guy in a British title. For me as a coach, if you understand what I mean. No, for I'm... me as a coach, I get as much out of that as, as I do one of my pro fighters winning a title or a belt. I get miles more out of that than I do me winning a belt. So it's, it's, it's an hard question to answer. Uh, well, it is what it is, isn't it? Mate, that, that, but you, you're having such a positive impact on someone's life there, so I can yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing as well is, look, I, I you know, I grew up in Rochdale, and growing up, I, I did a lot of crazy shit, and I'm sure everyone else did. A lot of stuff you're not proud of, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and even in, even into my mid twenties. I was probably still doing things I weren't mm-hmm. proud of, going out on the piss and making bad decisions. So, if, like, and I'm not saying I'm 
I'm far from perfect now, do you know what I mean? But if I get the chance to put a little bit of positivity into someone else's life through mixed martial arts, then for me, that's that's the gold standard, isn't it? And that's me living the dream. I am living the dream now. Because, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, man, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And then, so, we'll, uh, what's the future? What, where, where are we heading? Uh, I mean, coronavirus, we're all going to die, right? Well, that's <laughs> a lot. I think we need two hours to cover that topic. Yeah, we're all going to die. Uh, no, I mean, first of all, I need to get the gym reopened, get everything. I don't want to say back to normal because I don't want it to be the way it was before. I want to make every. I want to take everything to another level of professionalism. Mm -hmm. Now, once the gyms reopen, I want everything to take another level of professionalism. All my members to get a better experience, get coached better, enjoy the training more. Um, we've got a couple of fights lined up for some of our amateurs and pros because there's a few shows going on behind closed doors in August, so we're going to be getting guys ready for them. And then I think Cage Warriors are looking about December time for a Manchester show. And uh, Cage Warriors, let's get it on. You know I'm going to be there. Look, I've even got the t-shirt on today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it'll be Cage Warriors December for myself. So big things ahead, man. Yeah, always, always, yeah. And then we can head into 2021, 20, and we can have lockdown three. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be a joy? Us aliens or land? Yeah. Um, Dude, that's it. Yeah, I, awesome, I, just, awesome. I mega appreciate you taking the time to chat to me today. Mate, I appreciate you taking and the time to drive up here. Yeah, um, you know what? It's, it's, it, I think I think what you've done. Obviously, for me, MMA. I love MMA. Yeah. As we spoke about before, I'm not a mixed martial art. Like you're, you're to me is like your next level. Obviously, your next level. You're an elite athlete in that in that arena. Yeah, and, and I love that sport so much, and I can fully appreciate the skills you've got and the dedication you've got to, to get to that level so it, it was it was brilliant to meet you today bro. Right, and, thanks uh, a lot no absolutely bro and uh i think that's it and there you have it people uh i hope you enjoyed it um i'm not going to go on too much all i'm going to say is remember who the fuck you are until next week laters